to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. We create and build insanely happy workforces for companies around the world. We believe that by creating better people at work, they will create better businesses and better businesses build a better world. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the most inspiring podcasts in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. you crazy happy people out there. Welcome to another episode of Happiest Places to Work. I am Amy Dix uh, with Choose Happy and today we have Barry Merrick of Ivy joining us today. He is the CEO and co-founder at Ivy. I Such an interesting company. I can't wait to dig into that and also really understand how and what types of things you do uh, at Ivy to create this happy culture. So welcome to the show, Barry. It's so good to be here, Amy. Excited to dive in. Yeah, so you're based out of New York. Ivy is based out of New York. Uh, Do you have a remote team? Yes, we have a fully distributed team all across the world. uh, And we started out here in New York City. So what do you think is the biggest challenge? Not only, uh, you know, are you remote, but you're remote, you span the globe, Uh, you know, not just one little area. So what is the biggest challenge that you find when it comes to being remote across the entire world? Well, being remote, uh, just as any feature of a workforce, it has its strengths and it has its certain weaknesses. Uh, Our whole company mission is around uh, enabling people to unlock their potential through learning and connection. So that connection piece, that second piece, applies just as much to the team, just as the learning piece does. So uh, clearly, if you're all going to one physical location every day, inevitably connections just keep happening very spontaneously. Whereas when you're distributed and all across the world, those connections need to be uh, intentionally created. So structures and the environments of those connections need to be more intentional. Uh, We have also uh, uh, worked on how we can kind of make up for being distributed. How can we still bring in the in-person magic? So we're now planning quarterly retreats with the team so that once a quarter, We'll get together in an awesome place to, yes, get great work done, but also to have a lot of fun together so that that can fuel and deepen the relationships we have internally between the quarters when we get to be together. So you you gather the whole team from around the world every quarter in one location. Is that what you're saying? That's right. So in wow. mid-November, we're going to be meeting in Miami and you know every quarter we'll pick another Location that's easy for everyone to get to and it will enable everybody to feel like it's different than uh-huh. where they're typically based, myself that's included. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'm programming to be, we're thinking like a good ratio of like a 50-50, 50% really diving deep uh, around how we can do what we do better, how we can best deliver for each other's whys, why we're here, what we're trying to accomplish through our work. Uh, but then the other half being, you know, the more play and deepening the connections. So lots of fun stuff. That is awesome. I I commend you. That is not an easy feat to uh, do even yearly events. And here you are doing it quarterly. How many people will be in attendance? Well, it really depends on, I guess, the locations we choose and so on. But we're aiming for like the 20 or so leaders in the company. 
Awesome. I love it so much. So tell us a little bit about what Ivy does. Uh, you're a co-founder. So I'm really curious to know uh, how the brain worked at that point in time. You go, I have an idea, right? What was that idea? Yeah, absolutely. So our mission is to introduce business leaders to the leading minds of our time to enable them to perform better, boost their well-being, to be better leaders, to innovate better, and ultimately to make a bigger impact. And uh, what, how this came about, I'm originally from Turkey. Uh, I, my family moved to Scotland when I was 11 years old. Uh, I, I ended up being the only foreigner in my school, didn't speak the language. I went from being a very integrated kid to a complete outsider. So that made me really obsessed about learning and adapting as well as the importance of community. So that was a very early influence. I, I did adapt eventually in Scotland. It was tough. Uh, and then uh, I got to come here to the U.S. for both college and business school. And those experiences studying here in the U.S. Uh, was inspiration for Ivy in a collegiate environment where every single day all you're doing is learning from amazing leading minds. And you're surrounded by peers, who many of whom be could become lifelong friends, thought partners and business partners. And all you do all day long is dream about the future and how you can make your contribution to the world. So the idea was, how do we take that? For most people, that's a pretty magical experience. How do we take that and make it lifelong and global, given the fact that most people's responsibilities massively increase over time? So the learning and strong connections become more and more important. Yet all the research shows that, let's say, beyond the age of 30, it becomes increasingly more difficult to make friends. And um, employees, everybody around the world, including also the employers, they're all looking for their work to give them meaning and connections and growth and all these things that most employers aren't typically, you know, it's not their forte to do. They usually have another product and service. So how Ivy has evolved is we launched as an individual, like a B2C membership approach. And over time, in addition to that, we introduced a B2B approach. So we now partner with companies to enable them to do uh this kind of thing, the learning, the transformative learning and connection as a team. That's awesome. So basically you're curating different solutions from different um, companies, speakers, et cetera. And then you're bringing together some top leadership, some high vibe uh, folks, and then you're providing them a solution. Is, did I say that correctly? Yeah. So when we work with companies, we figure out what are their key priorities, both externally client facing, as well as internally as it relates to their team, right? So what are the biggest opportunities for growth internally and externally? And what are maybe the biggest challenges? Based on that, uh, we really serve as their on-demand chief learning officer. So we create for them uh, a, an executive leadership program that's open to the entire team, where the whole team gets access to the leading minds of our time to learn at their own pace whenever they like through an elective curriculum, but also a core curriculum where they learn as almost like a team sport. Mm. So every month there's one learning theme, the whole team prepares for it ahead of time. And then they all get together to discuss based on that module, what are Love the key it. changes they want to make uh, internally, like for them personally, for the company, but also at home or in their communities and how they can support each other in doing that. So using learning as an extremely galvanizing tool for deep peer-to-peer -peer connection and for taking action. 
Genius. I love it on so many levels. Uh, one, you know, you're, you're almost delivering happiness to your clients too. And I know we're talking about a happy workplace and we'll get into that, but uh, you know, you, you're, it's almost like you have this responsibility on both ends uh, to not only keep your internal team happy and flowing and, you know, doing all the right things, creating meaning in the workplace, but you even use that word when you talked about your clients about meaning, right. And like in, in getting more meaning um, for, for their own work and what they do and how they serve uh, their team too, as a leader. So uh, I love that. And I don't think that, you know, you could really, or Ivy could, um, kind of execute on that unless they understood it themselves. And so I'm curious, what year did you start Ivy? How old is Ivy? Ivy started in 2013. So we're going into our eighth year. That's amazing. Congratulations. So what are some of the things that you've learned in this eight years to kind of create this happy workplace culture within your own team? Yeah. First of all, as with most businesses uh, and organizations, they usually arise out of a need. And if it's a founder-led organization, it's typically a need that the founder himself or herself uh, will have felt. So before I share any of these sounding like an expert, I just want to make clear to everyone that I've made every single mistake in the book. And I, you know, it, it took a lot of getting this wrong to start to get this right. So I wouldn't say we've achieved the level of mastery, but certainly it's a lot more clear to me now uh, after many, many, you know, uh, lessons, uh, what it really takes. Also, the way that we took what we do for individual members and taking it to companies, uh, it was also a part of our journey as a team. So even though, yes, founders found the company, but as a team, we went through this journey and evolution together. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yes, it's a, it's a, you know, like you say, uh, oftentimes people say siloing things, work, non-work, those silos are breaking down now. Similarly, as a team almost, like what's internally for us as a team, and what's external for our clients is very much blending. Uh, with that in mind, just to summarize <laughs> into a couple of minutes, everything we learned in um, eight years, I would say, first of all, just for every individual and company, the formula for unlocking potential, right? the formula for what everyone cares about doesn't matter who they are. There isn't a single person who doesn't want to be the best version of themselves. Mm, right. So good. Right. So that, what I found is that that's the universal that applies to everyone. doesn't matter where you're from, what you do, where you are in life. So how can you be the best version of yourself? And I found that well, learning and connection are the two ingredients you need because the more you learn, the more you connect, the more aware you become of the world and what it needs and also yourself and what you really need more awareness leads to better goals, clearer vision. And when you have a clearer vision, you can take better action. Um, so it's like this flywheel. So yeah. if you keep feeding, learning, and connection, amazing things will happen, resulting in actual action and change. Uh, so, so that's the overarching kind of key learning or key crystallization of what we're trying to do. And that clarity is super important. And I would say if this was a, we had a formula like with five key ingredients, the first key ingredient is, the North Star. It's the North Star for the company. Like in a nutshell, what is really important? So even if everything changed about the business model and uh, you know how you do what you do, what's the unchanging part of what the company is trying to do? And then once we have that clarity, uh, 
of course, there's the business model and the business model determines what the roles and responsibilities are. And the reality is it's always evolving. So to go with that evolution, to stick to the North Star while being able to change everything else as the world is changing to continuously adapt, what it takes is communication, mm-hmm. right? But communication in a deep peer-to-peer way. So I'll give two examples, one for internally for the team, but secondly for strategic awesome. initiatives. So yeah, when it comes to internal team communication in general to drive connection, we now start every single all-hands meeting with Rose, Bud, and Thorn. So each and every participant uh, will share you know, a Rose, a Bud, and a Thorn. So a Rose is a, a key win between the last meeting and this one, what's one thing, what a key win they're most excited about. A bud is an opportunity, something that they're really excited about coming up. And finally, a thorn is a thorn, like a pain in your side <laughs> that you want to you wanna get rid of. And what we say is that it's like, yeah, at work, at also in life, whatever's a rosebud and a thorn, everybody shares that for one minute or so at the beginning. And it creates this, even if we were going to the same office, some of those things might not just naturally come up or at least it wouldn't come up for the whole team, maybe in one-on-ones. So it helps everybody level set and see where everybody is. And we can celebrate each other's wins. And we can also commiserate if people are going through things. So anyway, that's a more like a, let's say interpersonal bonding as a team. Now, from a more hardcore business perspective, which is still (laughs) the leverage is the same, uh, same formula, is whenever we have a key decision to make, right? Typically, the way we used to do things in the past, which many companies still do, is uh, some leader has an idea or someone has an idea, a presentation is made, an initiative uh, is presented, and then it's presented. And then, you know, in a meeting, the presenter would say, so any questions? What do people think? Anyone? Anybody? (laughs) And then uh, oftentimes they'll get frustrated and annoyed. It's like, oh, people aren't really engaging. Are they really getting it? Are they checked out? Do they really care? And this whole thing. Well, the issue is, you know, the same people will typically speak up. Some people are much more comfortable going on a limb and reacting to something. Some people aren't. So both in the rose, bud, and thorn exercise I mentioned, as well as in these kind of strategic decision-making meetings, the core formula is whenever something is presented or a question is asked, we're not seeing, hey, who has something to say? We ask, we say, something's going to be presented and every single person is going to share what they think of this, what's missing, what's Mm -hmm. great about it, what more, and everyone's going to get a minute per person to share. What this does is two things. One, when when the presentation is being presented, each person knows that they're going to have to say something. They have to say something because that's that's the formula of discussions. Um, So they listen more closely. And also when they are saying something, they all know that they will not be interrupted. There's no back and forth. There's no, it's not a debate. Each person shares their thoughts uninterrupted. And then once having heard all of that, the presenter can respond comprehensively. And then we go around again and again and again until there is nothing more to be said. Um, So this formula of communication where a question or something is a prompt, but then every person shares and it's not optional. Like, do you want to share or not? It's like, no, everyone is sharing. We're a team. We're doing this exercise. Um, So those are the first two ingredients. Let me pause for a moment. There's more, but um, in case you have any thoughts, we can. No, we can yeah, I mean, so much. Um, I love that, you know, as a as a facilitator, speaker myself, uh, one of the things that 
that I learned early on is to not say any questions. Um, you know, so, some of the other things that I've said before is, but now I'm totally going to change it because you just gave me the ideas. <laughs> but you know, how can I, how can I further explain what we just talked about? Um, you know, where where can I do a better job explaining? Or uh, my favorite, I'm totally stealing this. I'll give you credit for it. I'm stealing this rosebud thorn thing though, and this like minute thing. Um, one of the other things I would do would be like I call them, I called it fortune cookies and champagne toast. So we would go around after a presentation, like if it's a breakout presentation or more of a workshop, we would go around and talk about fortune cookies and champagne toast. So everybody would give a fortune cookie, um, meaning like what was like something that that really hit them that they were like oh yeah that inspired them to keep moving and then a champagne toast like what's something that can be celebrated what's a what's a win that they you know had that can be celebrated so love that so much i i'm stealing i'm totally stealing just straight up stealing uh the one minute everybody knows that they're gonna speak for one minute and go around, especially when I'm facilitating. So that's great. And you don't have to be a speaker or facilitator to do this, right? Anyone within an organization who's presenting something uh, can use that. So that is a really great golden nugget. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like everything I've learned, I've also learned from others. So let's spread the word, everybody, you know, try it out. Uh, let me know how it goes. Uh, and the Rosebud Thorn specifically, I learned that from Dan Tomasulo, uh, who's at Columbia, he leads essentially their positive psychology uh, department. He's amazing. <laughs> and the going around, it's you know, based on a lot of different things uh, yeah. that we do. But Isaac Oates from JustWorks, the CEO of JustWorks, he was the first to get me to do that as a management team. So credit where credit is due. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so just going back to the formula. So we have this like... Uh, starting with a North star, that clarity on where you're going and how it ties to each person's personal why that you're working with. Uh, second was this communication styles, making sure that everyone is able to express themselves because only then does everybody feel like they belong, that they can shape things. Everyone is heard and seen, including by the way, the CEO, because you know when you say stuff, you also want to know like the people actually hear it. What should we do? So the more engaged yeah. people are, it actually helps everything. Now in that order, so continuing on this journey, the third ingredient I would say is communication again, but this time with customers, right? So the people that we serve. And one thing that was absolutely game-changing for us, this was about four years ago, we started doing this, but after every interaction with our customers, they get uh, uh, like a survey in an email and on the body of the email, there's like an emoji of me, like a bearded guy you know, with this amazing hairstyle, <laughs> like, uh, you know, saying, hey, to what extent would you recommend this experience uh, to a friend or colleague? So the classic net promoter score question, zero to 10. And people can click on the email itself, the number uh, zero to 10. And then when they click it, they can also give qualitative feedback if they like. So we do this automatically after every single client interaction. And our entire team sees the results in real time. So it's like social media. Oh, Literally, cool. it's like you, you keep seeing these scores. And, and we made it our uh, one of our top goals, the very top like th three metrics that we have. One is to get a nine out of 10 or higher on average when we ask that question. And yeah. I'm happy to say that we're hitting that, uh, which is 
which is awesome. We didn't, we started more at probably at like uh, eight uh, on average. Yeah. And it's tough to move to a nine because that means a lot of people need to be giving you tens and nines. Yeah. You know, Um, so anyways, uh, what that does uh, is that, you know, we can have different thoughts and feelings on the team about what works, what doesn't. But ultimately, it's all about, you know, when, 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 you, when you're actually delivering what you do, your clients tell you what they thought, like in That's terms right. of a score and qualitative. So listening and then adjusting everything we do based on that helps us, helps the team be much more tied to the North Star, the impact we're trying to make, because then we're actually seeing that impact and we're reacting to it. And it's very authentic. So it's not like, it's really to double down on the things that the customers are saying that works well right. and eliminating the challenges that the customers are facing. So um, that's very powerful. And I think a non-negotiable because otherwise it can feel very ar- arbitrary when you make critical decisions and not everybody has access to exactly what the customer sure. is thinking. So my team yeah. knows as much as me, as far as what feedback the customers uh, give, obviously I'm in certain customers interactions that the rest of the team is not able to see. I'm talking to the CEO of another company uh, one-on-one, but actually the CEO of the other company isn't the sole end user. It's really her team or his team, right? right. So anyways, uh, that's the third ingredient. Uh, fourth one is uh, flexibility, right? And I think we only got to this as a result of getting the other ones more right than we used to. So once we know our North Star, once we're communicating properly and everything is more clear, And once we're kind of calibrating everything based on what the customer is truly looking for, then we, over time, moved into more and more flexibility. First, remote work. Second, uh, unlimited uh, PTO, right? Um, So people can take vacation whenever they want. And, you know, I know this is like some people think, oh, but is that really BS? Because, like, will people really take the time? But the point here is, like, look, you need to be off. You need to work certain hours sometimes, whatever. It's like... As long as you make sure your work gets done, and as long as you're not letting your colleagues down, right? Because it's not just about the boss; it's like it's your other, the other people that need to pick up the slack. Right. We can all make our own decisions as long as we're not letting our customers and each other down. Right. Then, of course, yeah. If you need to do this thing or be out for that, like <laughs> go do yeah, it. More, yeah, go do it and come yeah. back happier and more recharged. Or Love it. You know, or how can we help you if it's a huge problem you're facing? You know, like having that kind of openness and flexibility. And then the final ingredient, just to bring it all together, is um, in the past, we had uh, over these eight years, there were four years where we doubled our company in terms of revenue uh, every single year, four years in a row. Wow. At the same time, we also doubled our team size and expenses. So it was like this uh, revenue and this expenses. Right. And, you know, we felt like heroes, investors love that. Everybody thinks that's amazing, right? Yeah. The issue is, and huge lesson is when you're doing that, it can seem like, wow, sky's the limit. But even the slightest hit, so we hit a bump in the road, it caused a 20% downturn in the business, mm-hmm. right? 20%. I mean, during COVID, many businesses had a 100% downturn. Yeah, yeah. But even with that 20%, 20% is a lot, though. 20% is a, a lot. It's a lot. If you have no buffer, so if your expenses and revenues are growing right. at the same, uh, when those revenues dipped, all of a sudden we had that twenty percent gap in our finances. So all of a sudden yes. we we thought we had plenty of money in the bank, we thought everything was great. All of a sudden it becomes emergency mode. So yep. the key source of our expenses was the team. So the team had grown tremendously with awesome people, 
But what I realized we were doing, which was not so wise, is that every time we did something well, or every time there was a like a problem, an instinct first thing we did is who can we hire to mm-hmm. fix that problem or double down on that opportunity? And it wasn't just top-down decision, bottoms up too. Anytime anything was working, the colleague responsible would be like, I'm overwhelmed. Like, you know, this is so much. Like, we need to double like staff here to like make sure we can deliver all this. So Actually, uh, that was a huge mistake, right? Because what we do now, which I think is so much more superior, is that anytime something is going super well, for example, instead of thinking, who do we hire? We say, what can we automate without sacrificing (laughs) customer experience? What can we automate so that technology can do more so that the human dealing with that area can really focus on the customer, really use more of their So that's question number one. If we absolutely cannot automate it, okay, then we ask, how do we outsource this? Can we do this through a virtual assistant or a company that specializes in this where, yes, there's going to be a cost, but it's not going to be the same cost as like full-blown hiring somebody on payroll. So that's the second question. And then the third one is, okay, if you absolutely cannot outsource it, If you absolutely can't automate it, if we absolutely have to hire someone, how do we make sure that the ROI on that hire is going to be absolutely maximized? So the discipline of even having that process of like, can we automate, can we outsource if we have to hire? Uh, So when a hire needs to happen, the quality of that hire, not who they are only, but also how intentional we are on like why it's going to be game changing because it's so unautomatable, unoutsourceable, you know, so it makes us much smarter. So what I said to my team is, uh, and this is for real, you know, so feel free to, you know, you're also, if you want to do like a follow-up with a colleague who's experiencing this from another perspective, I said, hey, anything and everything you would want to outsource, any tasks you have, unlimited budget for virtual assistance, Right which is a, you know, a significantly lower cost uh, than, you know, hiring somebody, let's sure. say, in the, in the U.S. Um, so what it ended up happening is everyone's so much more thoughtful about their routines mm-hmm. and what are the tasks that are so repeatable and automatable. Well, if it's automatable, just, you know, then our, we'll boost our tech team. We keep automating as much as possible. If that doesn't work, then outsource. So it's made all of us, myself included, feel much more intentional about, like, what can I move away from myself not because I'm lazy, not because anyone right. is lazy, but right. we should all be focused on uh, what's most value add. So those are the you know five key ingredients. The last one being, I guess, uh, you know, automate and outsource before yep. hiring. What Love. it enabled us to do, by the way, is that then every employee, it, they moved up the value chain. They're using their heads and hearts much more because they're not bogged down by stuff that, well, anyone else can do or even technology can do. Yes. I... I- uh, number five to me is like, so just, I like, if I had a little bell, I would ring the bell. <laughs> like, ding, 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 ding. Um, and it reminds me and wants me to share this story. I don't know if I've shared the story on, on the show before, but uh, essentially when I was working, so just a little bit of context, I was working for an electric uh, electrical distributor for basically my entire career until I went out, out on my own. Uh, I loved the company and uh, I was very young and I became a district operations manager at a pretty young age. And so one of the things that I learned really quickly was those two things, like 
how do I automate? Now, I didn't have the luxury of necessarily outsourcing. I did have the luxury of having a team being able to delegate a lot of things. So anything I didn't like to do or just seemed like mundane to me or didn't challenge me, uh, I, I found a way to automate it or and or delegate it. And I pretty much automated and delegated myself out of that out of that position. And there was another district operations manager in a different district. And he would joke with me and he'd be like, are you even working today? Like, are you, are you just going to do nothing again? And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I am not going to do anything that you're doing today because I'm working on bigger projects. I'm working on things that like will change the company. I'm working on things that like inspire me and like tap into my creativity. And I don't like doing all those other things. So, uh, well, it kind of became a joke of ours looking back on it. It's really, it's really not even that funny. It's just like, that's, that's so genius. And I like, not that I was genius. I had a manager who helped me to see that. And so how can we do that for other people? Because the value, exactly what you just said, the value that I provided then at that point was way different than the value when I first started that position, uh, just because I was doing other other projects, you know, um, that impacted the whole company and not just our district. So I love that one. I need a bell. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, great job. Uh, and I just w- want to honor you for a moment uh, to just say like, amazing that this is like, you're, you have thought through this. It's all very, very thoughtful. Of course, you learn things along the way, but this is really, really thoughtful. And I'm sure uh, those that work with you feel very, very lucky to be able to work with you. So great job. Thank you, Amy. That means a lot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, uh, I have just one more question for you. If you were to define a happy workplace in one word, what word would you use? I would use the word inspiring was the one that was just coming to me most. And then elevated was like, a, or elevating was a second runner up. <laughs> <laughs> which one? So which one crosses the finish line first, do you think? I mean, inspiring cross the finish line first. That's okay. the, yeah, that was a for, for without thinking. That was the word that appeared in my head. Awesome. Well, I think an inspiring workplace certainly is a happy workplace. And Barry, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom. So many golden nuggets here. So many things that uh, your peers and others can take away from you. So thank you for all the work that you do in the world. Uh, Thank you for all the work that you do within your own organization. It was great to have you on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure, Amy. All the best to you and to your audience. Uh, Can't wait to hang out in person soon. Yes. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. If you are a CEO, HR director, or wellness director for a successful company and would like to be on this program, please visit choose-happy.me slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag happiest places to work podcast. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. 
to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Amy N. Dix. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.